Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alexander, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Twin Tools will try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? Our number is 291-6901. And you use the area code here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. We wish you would. We always enjoy hearing folks all around town, all around the country, wherever you may be. That's it. And with the right area codes, you can get us from anywhere around the world. There you go. Surely can. And the right time zone. <laughs> and the right time zone. There you go. Let's see. I see all our phone lines are lit up. All right. Let's go take our first call. We got Josh online. Good morning, Josh. Good morning. I got a couple of questions for you. You bet. Okay. Uh, first, I first want to call in and ask about the. You are. Excellent. Now, Josh, whenever we get through, I'm going to put you on hold, let the producer get your name and address and stuff so I'll know where to send it. That, or you could just send me an email where I, uh, something with your name and your address on it so I know where to ship the book. Okay. Well, thank you. That's much appreciated. All righty. Secondly, I have a 98 Honda Civic with 315,000 miles on it. Okay. And if I'm cruising around in about manual transmission in about second gear or third gear, low RPMs, uh-huh. it'll start to stutter a little bit, almost okay. like I'm running out of gas. Mm-hmm. And does that does the fuel pump ever fail in a in an analog sort of way, or is it just usually on or off? Completely? No, no, it it can get weak or all that but you know what you're doing if you're in third gear at lower speed you're loading that engine considerably so i'm thinking some sort of a misfire and certainly a fuel pump is one possibility but something like a weak call can show up under those conditions something like a filed spark plug on 98 you probably got plug wire something like a plug wire could cause that anything that is going to cause misfire under load set that now what i where i would start with that first off is to attach a good type of scan tool it has mode six on it see if you can pick up on what's going on in mode six that'll show the misfires if you know what i'm talking about if, if not maybe have somebody check that for you and see if you can uh, pick up which cylinder if it's unique to one cylinder then you know to go there if it's, if it's on all cylinders then it's more likely something like a fuel pump getting weak if it's a multiple cylinder related misfire what i would do is attach a fuel pressure gauge while i'm driving the car that way you could you know tape it to the outside of the windshield because you don't want gas inside the car with you and just drive it put it under those conditions see if the fuel pressure drops off and if it does then you have way more evidence to suggest that would be the problem Okay, well, I don't know what Mode 6 is, but I'll get that book, and then I'll, I'll learn. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it should go into that. Mode 6 is a something the engineers put in. It's not like a code, but you can observe things called PID data, which is what the computer is seeing. And if it's a misfire going on, even if it's not enough to set a code, it will still reveal itself under Mode 6. Okay, well, it sounds like that's what I need to do. So, okay. All right, I appreciate the information, and I appreciate the show. Okay, Josh, if you just hold on, I'll let the producer get the information from you. Okay, thank you. Thank you. All right, let's see. We're going back to our phone lines. Uh, we've got Brandon online. Good morning, Brandon. Hey, Lewis. How you doing? Doing great, sir. All righty. I've got a 1001 Ford Mustang V6. Mm-hmm. got a 3.8 liter in it. Okay. All righty. And I know how much you really like that, that V6 that they put in the F-150s. I believe is what the four point two liter. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All righty. I got a little. Well, basically, is that the same? Is that basically the same engine, the three eight and the four two? No, sir. Mm-mm. Whole different All family right, of like, engines. Um, I got a little noise going on in my three eight right now. I mean, okay. it's been going on for about fifteen twenty thousand miles. Wow, it's know, getting worse, goes. John. Uh, uh, Brandon. 
Uh, no, it's not. It's not. You know, most noises that don't get worse are not going to be real critical because almost anything that is bad and coming apart is going to get worse over time. Right. When does it do? Is it more on startup or after you've been driving a while? Or Oh, it's definitely after the engine's been heated up. Mm-hmm. It's definitely. What, is the, I mean, what, it's, what does the oil pressure look like? Well, you know how that gauge, I mean, I haven't checked it for sure, but it, it's always at half. Yeah. Definitely. Well, and it's probably going to always be at half, whether it's got two pounds or 20 pounds. Yeah, I, th- I think right. that gauge. I think three PSI is the cut where right. it drops. Wow. Right. I, I think that, that gauge is wired in. It's actually a switch. It's either on or off. It's not necessarily a, right. a, a swing gauge. gauge. Not really a gauge that works. The only way to, to be sure is to put a manual gauge in it. You know, Take the sending it, unit it, out. If, like Brian said, screw a mecha- uh, mechanical or known good gauge in there, and if your oil pressure is dropping down to, oh, say, 10 PSI, then right. you probably got some wear in the engine and it's starting to get a little tap you know, because of lack of oil pressure. Again, if you're willing to kind of take it easy, if you don't want to do anything about it right now, just kind of keep an eye on it, make sure it doesn't get a lot louder. If it starts getting louder, then obviously you're going to have to do something else. Right. Now, say this engine, you know, those to put mm-hmm. how big of a deal would it to be would it be to put that four two in that three eight i don't think it three- could really be done because the the bolt pattern on the bell housing i mean it could okay. be yeah, yeah, i was gonna say it, it could be but it's gonna be right. a whole It'd lot more work major than, major major right, major right, thing to do right uh not only okay. that but then you're gonna have the ecm to deal with you'd the have to have would the, be the, different. right you'd have to have that from the other engine you'd have, probably have to have the wiring Exhaust, harness from the other everything. engine everything it's just a it's not a right. real viable viable swap Okay. Well, right. I mean, I, I knew they were putting them engines, you know, about the same time with Ford. Know if it was something they they souped up for the F fifty or <laughs> no? No, I think it's a different family of engines completely. Okay. All righty. Well, that's all I needed to know. All right, Brandon. Thanks, man. All right. Thank you. Mm, bye bye. All right, let's see if we can catch a couple more of these calls. We've got... Pick a button. I'm trying to pick which one's been holding longest. we got Mark online. Good morning, Mark. Hey, guys. How you doing? Merry Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas to you. Hey, I've got uh, a Lexus uh, RX 300, although it's actually a Toyota Harrier. I think I spoke to you about it before. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. And coming up to uh, 100,000 miles, and I was wondering what stuff I should start thinking about changing. Well, it's going to be quite a few things, Mark, depending on what's been done before. You're from Baton Rouge, aren't you, Mark? No, no. I'm from London. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. Hey, wrong Mark. <laughs> Mark... <laughs> You, you can need to go to your owner's manual and just read the recommendations. There's going to be a schedule in there. Some of the things, if they haven't yeah, been done the, already, the, uh, spark plugs would be due. Yeah, sorry, I was going to say that the problem I've got is I don't have an owner's manual and I don't okay. have much history with it. Okay. Yeah, sir. So, well, I mean, I, the first, the first thing that comes to mind would be like the spark plugs are due at 100. Transmission oh, service yeah, yeah, is do due that. at 100. I like to do it close to 50. If it hadn't service. been done, coolant service would right. certainly that, be that done. That was the first thing I did. Mm-hmm. Good. See, a lot of the stuff you may have already done. The, yeah, the ideal... So the, the things I was... Go ahead. Yeah. The things I was thinking... Sorry, it's a bit of a delay. Um, the, the things I was thinking of were like the belts. They're probably worth doing because I don't know when yes, they sir. were done. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the... So this is a change of an engine. On the V6s, I think you normally do the cam belt and the water pump at the same time, don't you, on an interval? Yes, sir. But that one, uh, what engine is in it? Uh, it's the 2.4, the chain-driven engine. So what I was wondering was whether I need to do the water pump. Yeah, it's going to be a chain-driven engine. I probably would not worry about that unless it gives a problem because it can be done from the outside. Okay. You don't have to take anything apart, really, other than the water pump to get to it. So there's no big savings at doing it preemptively. So it's not going to be catastrophic if the water I don't pump think so, no, no, sir. Generally, they'll I mean, start to leak or maybe yeah. make a little bit of noise. You normally have plenty of warning with it. And, frankly, some of them do go oh, to the okay. life of the car. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. 
So, I mean, those are okay, the, and then, the normal sorts of things. You know, what I would yeah, suggest is find a shop to give you a good general inspection of the car. If you have a shop that you know and trust, just have, bring it in, have a general inspection done. That way it can tell you what things look like they're pending to fail. And they can also review your maintenance that you've already done if you bring that in. Uh, we do that a lot. And, you know, it, it makes it real easy just to go through because you have certain things that certain cars are going to need. You know, the wheel cylinders or the calipers could be starting to bind, although they may not. You, know, you just have to inspect to know these things. Yeah, I think the the quality of the garages around near me is probably a bit below you guys. <laughs> um, one thing, one one thing I also wanted to ask you was: every time I get the oil changed, I have them test the brake fluid. Uh huh. And last time they said it was two percent um, contaminated. Yeah, well, I'd go ahead and replace and that's it. That's okay. Yeah, I'd well, go ahead and replace it. Three is is considered the, the right the barrier. But, two, but if it's already at two, yeah, it's I not gonna go be long. It's gonna I be at three. It. So I, I don't believe in pushing anything to the max. Yeah. All right. Okay. I'll do that then. All right, cool. All right. Well, thanks, guys. You have a nice Christmas. Okay, Thank Mark, you. How's, you the, how's the weather there in London? Uh, I'm not in London at the moment. I'm actually in uh, Vilnius in uh, Lithuania. Okay. Okay. Well, how's the weather there? <laughs> yeah, my, wife's Lithu- my wife's Lithuanian, so uh, we're oh. there for Christmas. Well, oh, very, very nice. It's cold. It's very cold. Yeah, yeah, it's really nice. <laughs> I, I recommend visiting. It's a lovely city. Well, very good. Well, Mark, thanks for calling, man. All right, guys. Take care. Have Thank- nice Christmas. Thank Merry you. Bye bye. All right, we have to take a quick little break. Tom and David, if you hold on, you'll be straight up after the break. If you ever plan to motor west. Sir, how did you get in here? I used my grappling hook and climbed in through the window. Well, as long as you have an appointment. Ah, yes, Mr. B. Wing. Uh, why are you stressed about your job? Doc, I live in an area with a high crime rate, and part of my duty is to fight that crime. But lately, it seems like every time I turn around, someone needs my help. It's like this bright light signaling. Bat, what, I mean, B. Wayne, help us. Well, Mr. Wayne, there's not much I can do in regard to your crime-fighting dilemma. But if you want some peace of mind, bring your car in once a year to Agco for a general inspection. They'll inspect your vehicle bumper to bumper and let you know where you stand. And these guys are honest? Years ago, they advised me not to fix a minor electrical problem that I could live with because it was too expensive. They sound like good people. Okay, I've got to go. <coughs> I sure wish he would use the door like a normal patient. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, you go. Welcome back. If you just joined us at the Automotive Hour, I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. And we're going right straight back to our phone lines. We've got David's been patiently holding. Good morning, David. Uh, good morning. Can you hear me okay? Yes, sir. Yes, just sir. fine. Phoning from Canada. Oh, great. And I have a request. Sure. And I have a comment and okay. a question. Okay, go ahead. Okay, request is for the OBD2 Diagnostics Made Easy book. Yeah, unfortunately, that's before. already been given, David. Has <laughs> it? Oh, yeah, no, the first guy. J- 21st. Yeah, Josh okay. ended up getting it. Already. Okay, uh, comment is I just love the show. Been listening for a number of years. Well, thank you. And last year I was in the hospital for two months, almost died. Oh, good. But oh. your show, I had recorded them all that I could, and it just it made the, the, the stay in the hospital really good. <laughs> well, very good. <laughs> and the question is, sure. the, what is the, is, are, is a MAP sensor and a MAF sensor doing the, essentially the same thing? No. And I have a, 
Hyundai Santa Fe. Okay. I can see it has a map sensor. I'm trying to die. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> I would like to clean the map sensor. I don't know if it even has one. I do see it has a map sensor, though. Yes, sir. They don't always have both. They perform a similar function for the computer, but they're totally different. A mass airflow sensor, which is the MAF, measures the amount of air in grams per second going into the engine. A MAP sensor is manifold absolute pressure, and it's measuring the pressure in the intake manifold. Now, how that relates is as you accelerate, the pressure in the intake or the vacuum in the intake tends to drop because you're opening the throttle more. So it usually okay. uses the MAP sensor more for shifting and stuff like that because it can determine how much throttle you're applying. Mass airflow is generally used for calculating the air-to-fuel ratio, how much air and fuel to mix together. But like I said, they can kind of get some of the same information from both of them, they, depending on how they infer their data. But they are different. Generally, a mass airflow can be cleaned. A map cannot. And do all newer cars, say, from 2010 onward, have both? No. Uh, some yeah. have one. Some have the other. Some do have both just depends on the design of any given vehicle okay yeah i'm an old mechanic that had to retire in too young uh-huh. in 1988 okay i worked 12 12 years as a mechanic uh-huh and I, I, another reason i like to show is i like to see if i can guess the answer that you're going to give on somebody's problem <laughs> before you give it there you go <laughs> all right <laughs> well, very- this is something that was been this is something because you know, I've been trying to keep uh, abreast as much as I can. Mm-hmm. You know, I always fix my own cars and can diagnose them and can fix them. It just takes me longer because I had vision problems. Well, so. very, very good. Nobody's going to pay me to work on their car, but, <laughs> you know. It- <laughs> there you go. Anyway, thanks, guys. Oh, David, thanks for calling. Thanks for the whole song. Alrighty. All right. Merry Bye. Christmas to you, man. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, and we've got Tom has been very patiently holding. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. morning. The problem I'm having, I've got a 2006 HHR. Mm -hmm. The engine light came on for the, uh, I guess would be the accelerator pedal or the sensor on the intake. Okay. Now, if I, because it's not my car, when she brought it over, it ran fine, and then it's showing a reduced power. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that was pretty common on that one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, the... If I hit the brake, it has no accelerator pedal whatsoever, but if I'm just, you know, sitting in it in neutral or something, I get a little bit of gas. Mm-hmm. Now, is there a way of determining if that's actually in the accelerator pedal or if it's in the, the throttle control? Well, yes, sir. It It's somewhat involved. In, in order, What it does, the mode that it's in, reduced power mode, just means it's encountered a problem. But there should also be a code set, and if you can find a circuit code, there'll be like a A or B uh, accelerator pedal circuit code. If you're lucky enough to where it's set that, then you're probably going to be in the pedal. If it's got like a throttle position sensor or something code or a TPS circuit code, it's more likely in the throttle body. But you have to have some something to read all that. Now, if you do not have either code, if it's intermittent, you're going to have to have something like a digital lab scope. But, again, it's got to occur to know. I can sit and put a scope on these sensors and work them back and forth, back and forth. As long as they're working, it's just going to say they're good. 
I got to tell you, a lot of times, Tom, we find the connectors up at the throttle body give a lot of trouble on that yep. vehicle. A lot of times, the throttle body gets replaced, and it was actually the connector. You know, they've changed the throttle body already to bring it to us. We changed the connector and fixed the problem. So what you can do is kind of get under the hood and just jiggle around lightly on those connectors, see if you can get it to pop a code out for you. That would be one way. Other than that, you're going to have to have a lab scope and a whole lot of patience to determine which one it is. It's kind of a, a relatively um, hard diagnosis. I do have a um, a code reader. Mm-hmm. But I didn't unless it's unless it sets a code, and and sometimes it will. Yeah, sometimes it'll set a specific code. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just depends. If it just says reduce power or command it, that doesn't really tell you anything. Now uh, I, I can also okay. tell you, uh, GM vehicles. If you have something else going on, say another code for something else, it's very possible it takes down the five volt reference for the vehicle, and when it does, it will set that code first because Safety. that is the most sensitive system in the car right now because it's safety related yeah and they don't want it running away with if, you. if the five volt reference goes down it may just shut the throttle down because it doesn't know what to do right you know, if it loses sight of the sensors the first thing it can do is shut that throttle off because it doesn't want a runaway vehicle so yeah. that these are the things that make it pretty difficult particularly if it's an intermittent problem yeah it, it just came on this morning and mm-hmm. so i mean i don't know if she's had it before yeah first you know, off it's also showing a, a you know a small uh or a vapor leak, but evap code that, evap that code it's very possible because that, that evap possibly because that solenoid that. will take down the five volt reference if it shorts yeah, out if solenoid shorted or something it, um, it could cause the other problem we actually had a silverado doing that it would the it had a evap small evap leak and the check engine light was on and it went into reduced power mode because it lost it shorted the five volt reference in the evap i know they say it probably couldn't couldn't do it but this one did. Yeah. It just so it's, it's very possible that, you know, the other could be causing this. Yeah, an open circuit would not likely do it, but a right. short could. Okay. You think perhaps if I disconnected the EVAP? You uh, can try it and see. You can try to I mean, unplug the valve. It's already got a code. Yeah, just unplug it and see if it. But you're going to have to have some way to reset the low, to reduce power mode. Yeah. Because it's not going to reset by itself. It so may reset on a uh, key cycle. Uh-huh. When it doesn't see that oh, that short okay. anymore, it may not. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, it, it, a lot of it depends if it's happening consistently. Right. It's easier to find than if it's happening intermittently. Oh, yeah. Okay. All righty. Well, I guess I know what my sister's getting for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> <There you go. laughs> At least an EVAP uh, repair, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Helpful. Okay, Dan, you enjoy your holidays, and thank you very much. Good. Thank, thank you, sir. You, thank you, you too. Bye-bye. Okay. Uh, yeah, you know, that's, that's been Christmas presents for me oh. for quite some number of years for yeah. <laughs> different family members. I know, right? <laughs> hey, my car's broke. Yeah, okay. There you go. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Whole bevy of calls there we did. all at once. We uh, did. I hope they don't just go completely away. You got to enjoy hearing from people, especially this time of year. Yeah. If nothing else is calling, give us a Merry Christmas. There you go. <laughs> Let us know you, you're listening and where you're listening from. Yo, I got an email this week from a gentleman and it's not a topic we can talk a whole lot about, but uh-huh. he was asking about carbon buildup on the valves on direct injected engines. Right. Because on a standard uh, injected uh-huh. engine, the fuel tends to spray right on the valves, which cleans them. Mm-hmm. On a direct injection engine, the fuel is spraying into the combustion chamber, so the so valves are by- just kind of going up and down. Right, it's just bypassing the valves. Mm-hmm. And we have not really seen a lot of problems with carbon buildup, but if you go on the Internet, you'll find people who are complaining about mm-hmm. it. 
And the thing is, there's not a easy way to clean that off. No, I it's mean, not. You almost have to be professionally clean through the intake. And if you put some injector cleaner in the engine, it's going to do absolutely nothing because it's not going to spray the valves. into the chamber. Not, not for, for the, the valves. valves. It could possibly help with the injector if it was plugged, but it's not going to clean the valves because the fuel doesn't spray on the valves any longer. So what you have to do is take a preventive measure. One thing I recommend to anyone who has a direct injected engine is to use a high quality of fuel. Correct. I know some people say they buy the big box store fuel or they buy some aftermarket brand name fuel and they have luck with it, and that's great. If you do, go with it. I'm just saying I like to buy a name brand fuel in a high very high volume station because fuel that doesn't have all the right additives if they cut back on some of the additives can produce more carbon correct which can make the problem way worse another thing is substituting oil recommendations for instance if your call car calls for say zero w16 motor oil that's what it means zero w16 that doesn't mean you say well that's too thin the engineer doesn't know what he's talking about i'm gonna put 5w30 in there because a thicker oil can cause a lot more oil to be ingested into the chamber, which is going to produce a lot more carbon. Which is going to collect in the valve area. Can collect in the valve area. So if the engine calls for 0W16 or whatever, 0W20, whatever oil it calls for, use the correct oil. And try to stick with the same brand. Same brand of oil. Because, because you start swapping brands, you know, all oils are great, but they're not all compatible. Correct. So, you know, one set, one has a certain set of additives, the other one has a different set of additives. You could end up causing a oil consumption, an oil consumption problem. problem. Within a manufacturer, they're generally going to, the additives will be compatible. For instance, if I go from mobile clean to mobile one, mm-hmm. they're both made by Exxon Mobil. They're both going to be very similar in the additive packages. But if I go from, say, Vaveline to Exxon or from you know, whatever any, right. any of the brand names out there are, you may get some incompatibilities. Not always, but it's just but a sometimes. good thing to avoid. Just right. try to stay with the same manufacturer of all. And really with the same all is even better. And recommend it all for the life of the car. Correct. Hey, we're going to take a quick little break. Be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Ah, yes, Mr. Bigfoot. Uh, make yourself comfortable on the couch and tell me what has stressed you out. Uh, I'm just a secluded forest dweller, and I like it like that. But every now and then I get these people hunting me down. There's a TV show, jerky commercials, and now another movie. Then I worry about the hype. If they do find me, will my feet be big enough? Well, Mr. Foot, I can't really do much about these people, but I can tell you how to create some peace of mind in your life. Do like me and take your car to Agco once a year for a general inspection. They provide me an honest opinion on the maintenance and repairs I need now and in the future. They can even catch small issues that could lead to big, expensive problems down the road. An Agco general inspection, huh? Oh, one more thing, Doc. Could you tell me where I can find this toilet paper? I've heard wonderful things about it. Here's Agco's number. And the name of another store that may ship some TP straight to your cave. Thanks, Doc. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. You just joined us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. We sure appreciate hearing from you. Just give us a call. Number is 291-6901. And, you know, we were talking about the direct injected engines mm-hmm. and the carboned up valves. Right. Another thing that come to mind is keep the oil changed in it. Right. Don't run the extended oil changes you're hearing about. 
you're just asking for trouble with those, especially direct injection. Well, all oil is going to go through what they call viscosity shear over a period of time, which means the oil tends to thin out, and it gets contaminants in it. It gets a little bit of gasoline in it. It gets a little bit of this in it, a little bit of that in it. That makes it much easier to go down those valve guides, suck into the engine, and start burning on the valves. Not only that, but the valve guide seals tend to get hard if mm-hmm. you don't keep the oil fresh. That was, in my opinion, one of the biggest hoaxes perpetrated right? on the American public. This you can go ten thousand miles, and what it is, engineers they go to them and say, "What is the longest we can extend an oil change? Well, how long does the engine got to last?" That's their first question. Yeah, a hundred thousand miles. Oh, well, then go ten thousand yeah. miles. And you, know, if you are have the wherewithal to drive your car a hundred thousand miles, throw it away and go. Ditch purchase something go else. Do something new, and that's fine. You can do that. But I'm telling you, if you like most people, and you have to push it out a little beyond that, like me, I've I want to get 250 out of mine, maybe oh, 300,000 miles. You're not going to be able to do it. It's going to cost you so much money. And again, you got to remember the people giving those recommendations are in the business of selling new cars. Exactly. So it's, it kind of yeah. works into their plans if you have a major problem at around 100,000 miles. Yeah, you're willing to get rid of it. But you got you got your money's worth. Now it needs a new engine. You know, go buy a new car. There you go. And that just kind of, and plus this one probably ain't going to the used car market because it no, needs an engine. Needs so an, yeah. they just kind of killed two birds with one stone. Exactly. And you know, I'm not saying everybody's mind is that devious, but I'm just saying that what, is what, their, what yeah. you reward, you tend to get more of, and what you punish, you get tend to get less of. Well, and you know, most people start out thinking that way. Hey, I'll get rid of this thing at 100,000 miles. Right. And when it seems get, like a long, long time. Right. When you get to 100,000 miles, you, you, you back up and you look and you say, wait a minute. I still owe money on this car or, you know, I'm just not in a position where I can buy a new car right now. Right. So this one's got to last and you've mistreated it the first 100,000 miles. So the likelihoods of having well, and more the, trouble and the value of that car at trade-in is, is so much less because you haven't maintained it properly. Exactly. And now it's check engine lights on, it's knocking, it's burning all, it's leaking all. So you're not going to be able to get a good trade on it. So that means you got to come up with more money out of pocket. Right. But, and how much are you actually saving going 10,000 miles on an oil change? Yeah, I mean, I got to say, it's made me a lot of money. Sure. Because sure, we we're change seeing, more engines and do more major repairs now. Than we ever did before. Oh, my God. I mean, back in the late 90s, early 2000s, engines had gotten to a point where you pretty much would get tired of looking at the car before sure. the engine would give any problems. Sure. I mean, you could just drive it you get three hundred thousand miles out of almost everything right, yeah driving the dirt and then they started coming out with these extended oil changes and everybody bought into that and all of a sudden now it's sixty five thousand miles needs timing chains right or eighty thousand miles needs an engine the camshaft's worn out or it's burning so much oil or leaking so much oil it's not practical to repair so yeah do not buy into that you're not ever going to save enough money on all changes all has to be changed based on the way you use the car and that is the key factor that's the key factor you know, my little car, Elaine's car, I should say, it's a year old, already got 35,000 miles on it. Right, but so it's in the road all the time. It's on the road all the time. So I can push it out maybe 5,000 miles between changes because always on the road, it's always up to temperature. I'm taking hour and a half, two-hour drives at a time. It mm-hmm. hardly ever gets used in town. But that kind of goes back to your point. You buy a new car and you say, well, I'm going to trade this thing at 100. Well, I'm a third of the way there already, and I ain't even beginning to think about oh, exactly. trading this car. So, yeah, I've got to change it all regular because i got to prevent problems i can't afford to address problems right it's way way cheaper to try to prevent problems and you know that's the key it's sort of like so many things in life by the time you figure out you made a mistake it's too late it's too late to do anything about it right you know it's kind of like a kid 17 years old he wants to look older so he starts smoking cigarettes and before he knows it he's 
30 years old, 35 years old, he's developing a cough, and turns around and he's 50 years old, he's got lung cancer. Well, you know, the time to address all that would was, have been back at 17. Yeah, when, right. when somebody was sticking that cigarette in your face, you just slap the hand and say no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by the yeah. time you figure out you got a problem, it's, it's too late. It's, it's, it's almost too late, or at least it's not nearly as good. It's going to cost a whole lot more to get out of it than it, it would have. You just didn't get into it. <laughs> exactly. So. Let's go back to our phone lines. we got Tom online. Good morning, Tom. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Merry Christmas to y'all. Hey, Merry Christmas. I have an F-150 2016, and it has one of the uh, it has the auto start stop whenever you come to a stop. And I was okay. always told that, you know, when you start your engine, that puts the most wear on it. Is that really a good feature? I don't think so, Tom. I mean, what they're trying to do is they're trying to get by EPA with the greenhouse gas emissions and all that stuff. And a vehicle sitting there idling is producing fumes and it's not going anywhere so they see it as a way to reduce that and they don't really consider is this the best thing for the customer you know the owner of the vehicle i mean all that stopping and starting is hard on the engine not only that but it's gonna wear the starter out a whole lot faster they've actually had to uh, design a new battery to to deal with this new system mm-hmm. wow yeah, I, you know, it's, it's like so much engineering today. It's kind of a one-sided thing. They look at one factor and they say, well, yeah, we can do this, but they don't consider all the factors. To me, technology is wonderful so long as it helps somebody, you know, and you got to look at a cost benefit. You know, everything is cost benefit. I walk into a restaurant and I say, wow, that, that T-bone sure looks good. And at 45 bucks, uh-uh, you know, it just doesn't meet my cost benefit analysis. You know, now if it's 25 bucks, maybe it does, you know, but I got to weigh out what's my benefit from this and how much is it going to cost me down the road. So much of the technology today, it's on there. You really don't have much of a choice. You buy the car, but the benefit to you is going to be far outweighed by the cost to you down the road. Right. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for the feedback. Okay, Tom. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. This is our last live show of the year. Yes, it is. Uh, next week will be a recorded show. So if you do have a question about your vehicle, just give us a call. and We'll chat you up while we got time. Or if you happen to miss your prime opportunity, you can always get your questions answered on our website. That's right. Which is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There's a contact bar on each and every page. Just click the button. A little form is going to pop up. Fill it out and send it on in. There you go. Couldn't be any easier than that. You know, we were just sitting here talking before the show about different topics and mm-hmm. stuff. And I know we've talked about this in the past, but I want to mention it again. And it's the factor of tire age. The fact that tires not only have a life of the tread or looking at them and they don't have any bumps or knots or cracks in them, but there's an age factor that's involved as well. There is. And every, every tire produced since 1990 has a dot date on it a code a code and you know to read the code it's a four-digit code i don't think there's any three-digit codes left out I there i hope not <laughs> but it's a four-digit code the first two are the week of the year that the tire was produced and the last two digits are actually the year, year. it was produced no, so you get the week in the year 25 19 it was made in the 25th week of 2019, 2019. and most experts believe that six years is about the safe life of a tire. Right. And, you know, it is, this occurred to me the other day when Elaine was coming to New Orleans by herself and she had a flat on the Toyota on the- and had to call AAA to change it out. And I said, well, 
you know, you've got that little dinky spare on there. I really don't want you driving to New Orleans with that. Why don't you swing back by the house, get the truck, and come in, come in my pickup. Uh-huh. And then it occurs to me, okay, now how old are these tires? And I remember we had them checked, and they're still good. I mean, right. They're, they're still they're, within the five years, yeah, six they're get, years. Yeah, they're getting to about five years old. But I'm saying, you know, I am so glad that I'm keeping track of that. Because I wouldn't want to put my wife into a vehicle in an emergency situation where she's going to be driving for an hour, hour and a half at 70 on, miles an hour. On old tires. On old tires. I mean, you might put around town, but unexpected things come up where sure. you have to place a vehicle in service that you don't normally intend. Sure. And that's when you have to plan ahead just a little bit. You have to look at the age on those tires. And where that's a big, big factor, if you have a vehicle that's not used a lot, the tires may look like brand new. All right, let's say a motorhome or even a trailer at, that a trailer. doesn't get used that much. Well, you buy the trailer and you use it for something, but then it sits there and it sits there and sits there. Usually in one place. One place. Eight years go by, and then you decide, hey, I need to move something. I'm going to move my wife's <laughs> baby grand piano. Yeah. And you pile it up on the trailer. You take off down the interstate. Tire blows out, flips around, tears the piano up, maybe tears some people up in the process. You just have to be mindful of these things yep. because they have an age you know, they that, do. that they, you're not supposed to exceed. And some some manufacturers put that date on both sides of the tire. Mm-hmm. Some manufacturers only put it on one side. Right. And, and that's the tires intended to be put to the outside. Right. That When we mount tires, we'd like to put the DOTs to the outside. That way they're readily available but not to everybody anybody that. that walks by. And they're not. Some manufacturers put it on just the white letter side right well the customer doesn't want the white letters out right. so, so they get in. put in the inside the dot is not on the outside right. anymore and some people just don't they're not that careful when they mount tires they just right put just them put them on, put them on. Way until it comes up but yeah surprise use can really throw a loop because if you're putting around town never getting over 30 miles an hour and you're trying to push it a little bit that's one thing well that tire really never gets hot enough never gets real that. hot to have a big problem but let's say all of a sudden you get an emergency call you got to go to atlanta well, now, that's from Baton Rouge. That's about 500 miles. That's right. 70 miles an hour all the way. That tire is going to get hot. That's going to be a problem for you. So it's not something that you want to let go. Now, the same thing kind of takes effect when you buy tires. You need to check the age on a tire because there are a lot of people out there who will sell an older tire. Sure. Year, year and a half, two years old tire. Yeah, and you can't expect to get a tire that was made yesterday. No, I mean, and nobody does. But you, know, you want but one that's made within the last months, six months. Uh, at least within the last year for certain. You don't want a tire that's already three and a half years old. Exactly. And there are some exceptions even to that. If you're buying tires, maybe you're not going to keep the car. You're going to sell it and you just want to put tires on it. And you put a three and a half year old tire, you're probably going to drive it another year and get rid of it. That's one thing. If you've got a car that maybe you drive a lot so you're probably going to wear this tire out in the next two years before before it expires then it's not quite as important if you're getting a two-year-old tire you can probably wear it out before four years goes by but a lot it's it's the one that you buy a three-year-old tire and four years down the road you have a problem and realize hey wait these tires are uh, over six years old now that's right a high mileage vehicle it wouldn't be as big of a deal you're selling the car it's not as big of a deal possibly if you're buying a car with a very odd size like for instance 14 inch tires are very 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 hard to find even 15s are getting 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 somewhat rare right everything's gone to bigger tires if you're getting a 14-year-old tire, you may very well get a two-year-old tire. Sure. It's just there are not many of them out there. They don't sell as fast as they used to. That may they be an acceptable thing the... that you just got to put up with. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, 
you want to do business with people who will check that for you, make sure you're sure. getting fresh tires. I know we have a lot of trouble from our suppliers. We do. We do. We have to send tires back a lot of times, which delays the installation. But I just I don't accept old tires. And they take them back, so that means somebody else is accepting. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they, they tend to get pushed to the people that, that don't really regularly check the, the dates on them. That's right. Hey, we got to take our last quick little break. We'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Hello, you must be Glenda de Goodrich. Uh, relax on the couch and tell me what's stressing you out. Do you know how stressful it is to be good all the time? I don't want to be wicked, but sometimes I just like to not say thank you or pinch a bratty kid or stick my finger in a chocolate. And if I don't like the flavor, put it back in the box. Oh, that would be divine. Unfortunately, Glenda, I can't assist you with your goodness issues. Uh, but for peace of mind, schedule an annual general inspection with Agco Automotive. They'll check out your vehicle, perform needed maintenance, and let you know about future repairs. Sad ways, there are no surprises. Well, you definitely want your automotive repair shop to be good and not wicked. A young girl once told me there's no place like home. And I've got to go. Just bill me. I'll be somewhere over the rainbow. Toodaloo! Hmm, that little witch might not be so good after all. Get your own peace of mind and schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you join us, this is the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Altazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here in the co-pilot seat. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Our number is 291-6901. Still got a few minutes for the end of the show and the end of the year for us that, that's <laughs> it this is the last one there you go so if you got a question or comment or just want to wish some merry christmas give us a call we glad to try to help you out and chat you up there you go we were talking a little bit about tire age and stuff and you know it's an unfortunate thing that a lot more shops don't check that i know we get a hard time a lot of times from our vendors and They'll say, well, you, know, you need to get over that. Nobody else is doing it. I said, well, I don't well, care. I don't care not, what anybody else doing. Right. We're not anybody else. I'm not going to wait until somebody gets l- hurt, gets hurt, loses their life, and they have a huge lawsuit over this before I am aware of it. Well, before we you know, we do the right thing. That's right. Yeah, I'm, We're I'm already in, doing the right thing. Everybody I'm in, else needs I'm in to. business to do the right thing, and if, if everybody else doesn't want to, then they just assume the, li- the risk That's right. of that. But it, it does make it difficult. I know I've had times when we have a car promised out, we get the cars in, and one or more of them is old, so you got to send them back, got to argue with right. them about it. Right, it. it puts a delay in the whole, the the whole, whole situation. The whole process, but unfortunately, until we get maybe some legislation passed about this or, or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, it, it just seems like it's not really getting a whole lot better. Let's go back to phone lines with MJ. Good morning, MJ. Hey, you there? Hello. Yes, Hello. sir. Hey, how y'all doing? Doing, doing great, great, sir. Good. I have a 2006 Ford Ranger. Okay. Uh, 4.0. Uh-huh. About 55,000 miles. On wow. Low miles. And, yeah, it's really, really clean. Problem is, when you put the air condition on, mm-hmm. on regular AC, it blows hot air like the heater's on. Okay. If you put it on maximum AC, it blows cold air. Okay. Somebody said it could be a blend door. Yeah, blend door actuator like probably. That. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's possible it could be the control panel itself. It's just a little motor under the dash that moves it 
from you know from hot to cold. It has one fan and it blows through both cores, and this door ducks which one it goes through. If it's stuck on the hot door, even if the AC is running wide open, it's still gonna get hot. You know, if it's on the cold okay, door. So, so it would be the actuator. You it could possibly well, it could be the actuator. Be. It could also be the control panel. What concerns me a little bit, MJ, is that if it works on maximum AC, you know, the same actuator is working, but the control panel has changed. So it could be the panel is not sending a signal to open the actuator. You'd have to have a scan tool where you can go in and read the signal to the actuator. If it's not getting a signal on regular air and it is getting it on maximum air, then you're more into the control panel. If it's getting the signal both ways but then starts working, then, you know, it could be an actuator. So it could be either one. You have to have some kind of a test equipment to check it. Not, unfortunately, something you can really check readily because it's not an analog 12-volt thing. It's a 5-volt pulse wave reference that goes out to that motor it works on counts it's, it's, it doesn't send 12 volts off on it has a signal right. that five volts is the center of the travel negative five volts is one extreme and zero is the other extreme so and it works on counts it pulses it so it's not anything you can check with like a voltmeter or anything like that but you know i the only thing that bugs me is you're putting it on max ac and it's working you know the control panel is changing but the actuator is really not so that really kind of sounds a little more like a control panel issue okay well, we're going to be closed this week for Christmas and, and New Year's, but uh, you can be yeah, there yeah. right after New Year's. The Thursday after New Year's, we could probably take it in that morning. Okay, okay. Well, I'll give y'all a call Thursday morning and get it to you. Well, very good. All right, thank you. Thanks for calling, man. Uh, th- hey, Merry Christmas thank to you, man. Bye-bye. You too, you and your family. Thank mm-hmm. you. All righty. Good little question. Yeah, great question. Those little motors, you know, when they started making cars, they had just a reach over there, and you just move the door back and forth. Then they came out with the cable. Then it went through a, like a vacuum motor, vacuum and this is just the next piece of technology. It's now an actual electric actuator motor mm-hmm. that moves the doors. So each one had their own bevy of problems. Well, it did. And, you know, unfortunately, it's one of those things we get a lot of time. Well, how can I check it? And because it's a pulse-modulated motor, it's not a motor, per se, that spins or turns. It moves and counts. Mm -hmm. And it's not 12-volt off-on. Even if it has no voltage going to it, zero, that may be midpoint, depending on how it's working. Five volts may be all the way one way, and negative five volts may be all the way the other way. So it's not something you can really check without something made to do it. You know, if you've got a Ford scan tool or a GM scan tool, they usually have a function in there where you can go in, you can see, and you can read the counts to the motor. Right, because you're seeing what the uh, ECM is seeing. Right. So you can kind of, under those conditions, you know, do a little bit more with it. But it can even be something, some type of sensor that tells it something's not working, that an input to the control panel. Correct. For instance, if you're turning your control panel on requesting AC, the first thing it's going to do is look at the ambient temperature outside. And if the ambient temperature outside is 20 below zero, then it's, it's not going to turn, turn the compressor on regardless of what you're doing. Now, that doesn't have so much to do with the blower motor, but it's not going to turn. It's not going to enable a compressor. Right. So, you know, one of the inputs to it can be, be wrong. wrong. So it's just one of those things. Unfortunately, it's very, very difficult for a do-it-yourselfer to do a whole lot with. In this particular case, because when you go to maximum AC, it starts working, kind of I'm not saying it's not the actuator. It could possibly be, but, but why most, does it work under maximum and not work under regular? Right, most likely the control panel. It sounds more like a control panel kind signal. of an issue because it works under one condition and not doesn't work other. under the other. 
I see we're getting real short on time here. Tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning on the Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. Go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service, whichever that might be. Find a written review and please fill it out for us. There you go. When you fill those written reviews out, what it does, more positive reviews. When someone types in something like auto repair, looking for a podcast, the ones with the most reviews and the most favorable reviews are going to come up very near the top. So they're very more likely to get clicked on. Exactly. And that's the reason. It also lets us know we're doing a good job. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.